Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we can sing of your love forever. What a great reminder, Lord, of the way that we need to be and the attitudes that we need to have in our heart. Lord, we welcome you to this place this morning that we might worship you in a powerful way. Lord, that we might hear your words and heed them, that, Lord, they would burn into our hearts, that we would be reminded of who we are in you, that you would encourage us, challenge us, open us up. Lord, stretch us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning we're looking at John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Whether your Bible shows it or not, this is all red. Just giving you a heads up. If you don't know what that means, it's, it's the actual words of Jesus. Jesus speaking to his disciples as they're walking along. And I, I guess I, I really like this passage because it's extremely practical uh, for our own lives. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear its fruit by itself. It it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever it is you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. May God add his blessing to the reading of the word this morning. You may be seated. So I have a question before we get started, because I need to decide, I need to figure out if there's anybody. I'm not sure which way to ask this, um, but I'll just ask it. So, is there anyone here who doesn't want to live a victorious life? <laughs> I thought that might be easier than somebody than everybody smacking the person next to them as they raise their hand, right? If you choose to not live a victorious life, you can now close your eyes, take a nap. I'll wake you up when we're done. How's that? Just kidding. (laughs) If you see anybody sleeping next to you, give them an elbow, all right? (laughs) If you're really tired, you know. She should hit you first. (laughs) So, 
I don't know about you, but I love object lessons. I think those are the best ways to learn. And this, this passage to me today is a very practical, simple way that Jesus uses as they're walking along. It says there, and then they left. That's the verse right before the verse we're going to be in. So you can, one can assume that they were walking along a grape row, not a whole lot unlike this, and that Jesus was talking about things that would connect to the grapevine. And as he was talking, he was able to show them. I think that's great stuff, right? I, I think when we learn things um, like that, we learn them a whole lot better. We understand when we can make it simple, a small little nugget we can get a hold of that connects with something in our lives. Isn't that why sermon illustrations, I, I'm amazed that sometimes when, we, when I stand in the back, some sermon illustrations really connect with people. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes they have little to do really with the sermon, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a great illustration, but sometimes I'm not the best person at making an illustration connect to the scripture. I like to do that. I'm just not great at that. So sometimes people connect to the wrong part of the, the illustration, but it's because we see those illustrations, we're able to connect to those and we're able to see how they fit into our own lives or that we, it's someone we know. And, and so that helps, right? And there's all these pieces of, of an illustration, an object lesson that helps us to connect um, with an idea. So because sometimes theologically, those are difficult concepts, right? Like, just an example, the Trinity comes to mind, right? And that's a hard concept to get our heads wrapped around. It, it's, it's a difficult thing to kind of to put all together. But if someone tells you that it's like water, which is, can be ice and gas and water, and it's all the same water, that helps me a little bit to understand that it's kind of three in one, three different, but, you know, uh, that, that kind of helps me. Um, there are tons of those uh, uh, I, the, the father one, I like the father, uh, you can be a father, you can be a son, or you can be a, I think it's a husband. Anyway, three different entities of the same person. I think those are great object lessons that help us to understand difficult theological ideas in a simple, matter-of-fact way. And you got to remember, this is near the end of when Jesus is walking along with the disciples. It's near the end of his ministry. It's, it's near the end. He's getting ready to be to be crucified. And he knows things are about to change. And life is about to do a 180. And these guys are going to have to move on without him. And so he's trying to give them some things to make sure that, they, that they're victorious in their, in their walk, for one, but that they're able to take, 12 guys are able to take this message, God's message to the world. Think about that. I, I, that, to me, boggles my mind. 12 people took the message to the world. Um, the, the model, let's be honest, the model isn't in our minds, in our business minds, is terrible, right? Because you would want a lot more people. But in God's way, it works out really well. Um, it's pretty exciting. So, so Jesus is talking to them about this object lesson. He's talking about a grapevine. And he, as they're walking along, he sees this vine. And he says, listen, I'm the vine, and God's the vine dresser. And if you want to be connected, you got to stay connected to me. If you want to produce fruit, if you want grapes at the end of the season, you got to still be connected. you got to get the water and the nutrients. Otherwise, you're not going to get it. And so he uses this uh, object lesson as he's walking down a grape row or a fruit tree or wherever he's at. 
he uses it to remind them that this is uh, very practical ideas. And he says, you know, the victory, victory is found, first of all, in a connection to God. And he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You will just wither away. See, like, you're either connected or you aren't. A branch that's not connected to a tree, what happens? It withers very quickly, does it not? It doesn't take long. Maybe the first day you wouldn't be able to notice much difference, but second day you find out it's not connected. Something's wrong. It's been cut off. By the third or fourth day, it turns brown, and it's obviously no longer any good. And so it is with us. We are either connected and alive or disconnected and dead. God says, you know, you're going to be one of two. You're either going to be in the brush pile to be burned. And you know how that works, right? We trim off, we trim off the trees and we throw away the stuff that's extra. And we burn all that and get rid of it. And he says, you're either connected to me or you're not connected to me. There's no in-between. You're either connected or you're not. If you are, you're alive. If you're not, you're dead. That's the question for you this morning, right? Are you connected to God? If you want to be victorious in your life, you need to be connected to God. If you're not connected to God, you will not be victorious. You will be that brush that sits off. Now, I I understand that that's kind of a simple idea. But I think it reminds me that I need to stay connected to God. I need to stay connected to God. See, there are times when I think that we think that God has forgotten us. This scripture reminds me, it says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. God has not walked away. If you're not feeling God today, if you're not feeling like God is with you today, it's not because God has walked away. It's because we have walked away. There's a promise in this scripture. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. His hands and arms are still open. And he's looking for us. I like this uh, method. This one of my favorite uh, messages uh, because I think it's really simple and it helps me to understand. It's called the ABC method. It talks about if you're not connected to God, this is a very simple way to understand God's love and how to be connected to him. And I don't want to overlook this because I think this is what's Honestly, the most important part of the message that you're going to hear this morning. If you're not a believer in Christ, if you are not following after God, if you are not connected to God, you have that opportunity this morning. It says right here, and it reminds me, it says, admit to God that you are a sinner. And I always, I always look at these and I always say, some people are going to have trouble with that, right? Some people are going to believe that I've never done nothing. I haven't done anything bad, really bad. I mean, just a little bit bad. There's some scriptures at the bottom, and it talks about that all have sinned 
Every one of us have sinned. We're all in the same boat. I love that. I love that picture, right? We're all in the same boat. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. And the second one says to believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died, was crucified, died, and rose again three days later. That one's probably a little bit harder for people to get their hands around, to wrap their mind around, right? It's not every day that we see someone who has died, spent three days dead, and rose again to walk around. That one's a little harder, and I get that. That's why they call it faith. You have to believe. And the third one says to commit, to commit your life to Jesus. That's where we're talking about being connected. If, it, it's that simple. If you do those three things and you commit your life to Jesus, you are connected to him through the vine. I think sometimes in church, sometimes in church we make it more difficult than it is. And I realize that sometimes I do this very same thing. I make it more difficult than it is. It's not that difficult, right? Because I, I think in our mindset, in a church mindset, sometimes we think if you change this, 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 and this, you'll be able to show that you're a part of God. No, God says, bring it all to me. I don't care all the garbage you got. I don't care about the baggage. Admit to me that I'm a sinner. Believe that Jesus died and rose again. And commit your life to follow him. It's just that simple. You can do that right, right where you're at this morning. You can bring that to the, cro- to the altar this morning when we're done. I would challenge you that if you have not made that commitment in your own life, that that's something you do today. Scripture says you will spend eternity with God when you do that. And you know what? Eternity starts right now. We always think, I'll start eternity when I'm dead. No, eternity starts right now. It's, it's just that simple. Don't make it something it's not. Don't make it more difficult than it is. I think sometimes we make so much extra stuff on it that we are afraid we will never get there, that we can't do that because oh, I have to get rid of all this other baggage I have. No, God says, just come to me. Come to me. Abide in me. If you want victory in this life, you have to be connected to God. Your Connect cards, and I would challenge you, your Connect card says, I am sure, I am not sure that I am connected to God. I would challenge you to circle one. Second thing that Jesus is telling them as they're walking along and they're looking at these branches that have been cut off is that there is a constant trimming in your life. There's a, there is good wood and there is bad wood in each of our lives, right? I bet, I'm willing to bet that if I say there is good wood, you can think of the things that are good in your life and the things that are productive in your life and the things that are spirit-filled in your life. And it doesn't take long if I say there's bad wood. There are some things that come up in your mind really quickly that aren't so good in your life. Things that you would be more productive if they were trimmed out. 
If you would be more a follower of God, a deeper, stronger faith, if you were able to trim those out of your life. There's a YouTube video, and I, I couldn't make it work today, I don't, I don't know why, of an arborist who talks about his peach tree. And it's not the most exciting video, but it, does, it does, makes a great point. This arborist is standing next to his peach tree, and, he, and it's all blossoms. And he says, you know, when I first got these peach trees and they started to grow, they were look so big and, and plush, and they were really nice. And he said, I didn't really want to trim them back too much because they looked really good, and, and they were nice and round, and they, were, um, they, did, they looked great. And they had all these blossoms, a ton of blossoms on them. And he said, and then they started to make fruit, and there was a lot of fruit, but it was maybe not as big maybe as it should have been. And that year, there was, he had some fruit, but it was subpar fruit. There was fruit on it, but it wasn't great. It was okay. He said, I had enough to get some peaches, to know that my tree actually was a peach tree. And he said, then I learned a lesson. Someone told me to cut two-thirds of that peach tree back. And if you've ever done any trimming, uh, two-thirds is a lot of tree. I don't know if you guys, if you guys ever go down Townline Road, I, I watch birches quite regularly. They cut their trees back. It looks like this every year. I'm like, how's that tree even going to live, Right? And he said, you know, I cut my peach tree back. I cut two-thirds of the peach tree away, a, a lot of the extra stuff. And he said, you would not believe the crop I had that year. He said, I needed to trim all the dead wood off, all the garbage off, all that old stuff, so that new growth would come. And as a new growth came, he said, I had these huge peaches, and they were beautiful. And I had so much more than I had the year before. So much more that I was able to give it to my neighbors. He said, I was able to give my, give my neighbors a basket of peaches, along with having extra, more peaches than I knew what to do with. And so it is in our own lives that we would be more productive, more productive for God, if we're willing to trim out those things that just aren't good in our own lives. I know, I know, I make the same excuses. You don't understand my situation, right? You don't understand what I'm going through. I do understand because I'm in the same boat. See, I think there's two ways you can do this. You can go kicking and screaming, which I have tended to do a lot, <laughs> right? Or you can go willingly trusting that God will trim out the things that you don't need to bless you in the areas that he wants to bless you, to make you more powerful, to give you more fruit. There are things in our lives that we don't like to do. Am I right? Things that we don't want to change. Things that we get, you know, I've done this my whole life this way, and I don't want to change it. I read a, and, and I'm good enough to read a scripture and just brush that off if it doesn't fit my theology. I'm willing to bet that you guys are the same way. Read a verse, and it doesn't fit, so I just ignore that one, and I go to the next one. That one fits me better. I'm better at that one than I am at the one before, right? See, we don't like things that are uncomfortable in our lives. We like to be comfortable and cozy. Now, I had an experience this morning, Dave Williams and I. I grew up in a family that didn't like bats much. 
I can remember being just a little kid, and I was in bed, and there was a little hole in the screen. And I'm telling you, the hole wasn't any bigger than this. Somehow in the process of the night, the evening, go to bed, lights are out, there's a bat in our bedroom. And we're terrified. I'm just a little kid. I'm just, I, I don't know. I had to have been six or seven. I'm old enough to remember it, but I don't remember how old I was. My sister was alive, so I had to have been like seven or eight. Anyway, long story short, there's a bat in our bedroom in the closet. Turn off the lights, and what happens? The bats start to fly when it's dark, right? So here comes my mom. Just so you know, my mom is terrified of bats also. So my dad comes up with his hip waders. I don't know why. I don't remember why. Hip waders, something on his head. I can't remember. Some kind of thing on his head and a fishnet. And we're going to take out, he's going to take out the bat. Well, you know what's going to happen, right? It's pretty much a lot of commotion, and I'm hiding under the covers because I don't like bats. Oh, anyway, in the process, he ends up getting the bat. Life is good, right? So I come to work here. Now, I'm going to rat out a few people, and if you want to tell them, I don't care. Sue's here, so she's going to know. (laughs) I come to work here seven years ago almost, and I find out there isn't a soul in this place who isn't terrified of bats. But guess what? We live, we go to work in a very old church that has a very big belfry, and if you ever, you may not know this, but any given day you'll see 14, 15 bats fly into the belfry, into the bell tower every morning, fly out at night. It's just a part of life here. Every once in a while, they get into the old sanctuary, into the, into the if you go up the steps, into that part. Sometimes they have, um, there's some kind of white nose disease. I don't know all there is to know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Sometimes they just get bounced around and they're in there. So this morning, I go out this door and up the stairs, and I open the door in a big clutter, and oh, right there it is. <laughs> Now, this is what happens on a given any work day. Sue comes flying into the office. <laughs> She's like, I ain't going back until you get it out. Pastor Dave's going the other way, and Ann Bartlett's going the other way. So in this process, just so you guys know, in this process of being here for seven years, I've had to learn to at least tolerate bats. I know they're disease-ridden, and they make this really awful sound when you touch them. And they make this clicking sound, and it sounds like they're going to eat you and all these Halloween things. That, you know how that works, right? But I have learned, I have learned that someone's going to get the bat out. And this morning when Dave Williams walked in, <laughs> it was me and Dave. <laughs> and I don't think Dave was going that direction, so I guess I was going that direction. Long story short, I had to get him into a bucket. I didn't know if he could, sometimes they can fly, sometimes they can't fly, sometimes you can just pick them up with a cloth, sometimes it's like, eh, it's a little sketchy, I'm not taking any chances. Today it was in the bucket, he was, looked like he was pretty alive, so I put him in the bucket, got him in there, so Dave's laughing at me as, we're, as I'm getting him outside, he's gone, he, he's outside, if he lives, like I told Dave, if he lives, he lives, if he doesn't, if he's cat bait, whatever, I don't care. He's not here, so we don't have to worry about him anymore. But God has pruned me <laughs> in a very practical way that if I am going to work here in this place, someone has to take care of the bats because <laughs> the other someones aren't. 
And I knew this morning it would be pretty awkward if, I, if he was sitting there when people went up to go to Sunday school. So there were not many options this morning. Get him out before anybody showed up. And so I had a, I had a laugh because it's like, what a great practical illustration of the way God prunes us and changes us. I don't like bats. I still don't like bats. But I also realize that for, the, for practicality reasons, someone has to get the bat out. And it's my way to show love to Sue and Pastor Dave and uh, Ann. Because they're terrified. So <laughs> I'm not terrified. I just don't like them. God needs to be trimming in our lives. If he's not trimming, we get lots of extra dead wood, brush, garbage. And I don't know if you've, if you've ever seen an apple tree that's been allowed to grow and grow, like the wild ones in the woods, you'll see all this dead wood. And it gets so bad that it no longer produces anything good. It might produce apples that look like cherries if it's lucky. It might not even do that. It might be lucky to have a few leaves, no blossoms. And, and it doesn't take, you know, we think, oh, that'll take 10 or 20 years. It doesn't take very long at all. It gets smaller fruit, less fruit, smaller fruit, less fruit. If you don't prune those things out of your life, pretty soon that's what it looks like. They do catch disease, exactly. Well, this is, this is, a, this is for all you people who say, who find it very easy to see something wrong with someone else's trimmings. <laughs> I picked this picture because I always laugh because we always say, those kids nowadays, all they do is sit around and eat chips and drink Pepsi and watch TV. Right? And it's easy. We say, yeah, that's easy. That's an easy one. God needs to prune that out of their lives. Whoa, wait a minute. Don't prune it out of my life though, right? Maybe chips aren't my thing. Maybe it's something else. It's a lot easier to see it in someone else's life than it is to see it in my own. Finally, victory is found in a fruit-filled life. Scripture says, this, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Do you realize, church, that God wants you to be full of fruit? He wants you to be full of, that's weird, of that fruit. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. See, the reason he wants us to be full of his fruit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It talks about love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He wants us to be full of those. Why? He wants us to be full of those because when people see us and they experience that from us, they want to know what that's about. They're watching. Church, they're watching us. And they want to know what it is that makes us different. And let's be honest, if we're no different than anyone else who wants to be that. Why do you think these fad diets work? Because people see that it changed one person's life and they say, well, obviously if it changed their life, it's going to change everyone else's life too. And they jump on that. That's why they have those testimonials, you know. 
You see that on the TV. It, people want to follow something that's different. They want to follow something that is, will change their life. So I'm going to ask you this morning, there's fruits of the Spirit. I'm going to ask you to think about I'm going to go through all these real nice and slow so you have time to think about them. I will be more loving. Think about that just for a moment in a practical way. Who is it that you'll be more loving towards? I will be more joyful. Who needs to experience that joy from you? I will be more peace-filled. I will be more patient. I will be more kind to others. To some other. To someone. I pray that God's putting people in your, in your uh, subconscious, even at this moment, people to, that you can see. I will be more good to others. I will be more faithful to God. I will show gentleness. I will be in self-control. See, church, it's really pretty simple. We make it a whole lot harder than it is. It's love God and love others. For as simple as it is, it can be very difficult, easy to plan, difficult to make happen. But there is hope. There is hope in that God says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Connect to me, and you will have the ability to find victory and be fruit-filled. You will be able to be trimmed, and it will be okay. It may not be comfortable, but I want to trim those things out of your life that are doing you no good so that you can be more fruitful. Most importantly, it begins with a connection to God. You're either connected or you aren't. Let's pray. Lord God, this morning I pray for those who have no connection to you at this moment. Lord, that you would draw them close this morning, that, Lord, they would find someone to talk to, that, Lord, they would come to the altar, that they would have an opportunity to ask you to change their life. Lord, for those who have too much dead wood in their lives, who need things trimmed out, who need to make changes, Lord, to be more fruitful, I pray this morning that you would guide their hearts, challenge them, Lord, to get rid of those things, to make a statement, Lord, to say, I'm no longer going to be taken by those, the dead wood, Lord, that I'm going to follow after you. And Lord, I pray for those this morning that you would begin to reveal the fruit that you have for them. Lord, that they would see the difference in their life, that others would see the difference in their life. And Lord, that they would be glorifying you in the way that they act, the way that they behave, the way that they treat others, the way that they treat themselves. Lord, we're reminded that you promise to abide in us as we abide in you. Lord, you're not going to walk away. We may feel that this morning. 
We may feel that you have left us in the dust, but you have promised that you would not, you have not, and you will not. You call us to come to you, to come to you with broken hearts, to come, Lord, and break our pride that we might worship you in a powerful way. Lord, that we might start a relationship with you and grow fruit that would be a blessing. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.